You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. We come to the end today of a really meaningful book, the end of Ecclesiastes in our series called Everything Matters. It's been a very potent book, a lot of great wisdom here. The reality of life can be found all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm so grateful for your consistency in being here this, this uh, semester as we walk through this book together. I'm, I'm grateful that there are intentional listeners who gathered uh, here at Highland on, on Sunday mornings. You make preaching and pastoring here such a joy. So we better get to our passage before I get teared up talking about this. Oh, and, and because I didn't get to say it a whole lot last fall, sick and bears. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Let's get there together. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the very last chapter in this book of wisdom, the Old Testament. If you're relatively new to church or new to having a Bible in front of you, if you can find right in the middle of the Bible, the book of Psalms, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. So that's where we are today. I think it's important for you to have a copy of God's word, or at least your, your, your device open to um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This will be the remainder of the morning. Verse 1 of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. I have no pleasure in these days. Uh, Verse 1 is a reminder. Don't let the excitement and, and the busyness and the ample opportunities of young age cause you to forget God? Why is it important for someone who is younger in age to not forget God, to to remember God? It's because you have a lifetime to offer him. Statistically speaking, you have 55 to 65 years left to honor the Lord. I have about 25. Boo. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping this thing up. Many of you are a younger, I'm preaching to a younger congregation so often on Sunday mornings, don't forget the God of your younger days. Do not forget him. D.L. Moody tells this great story of him going out into the streets of Chicago to to share Christ with others, to, to bear witness of the gospel, to share the gospel. And he returned from preaching Jesus or sharing Jesus on the streets of Chicago. One of his friends asked him, how did it go this evening? How did it go as you, as you shared Christ? And D.L. Moody said, it was great. Two and a half people came to know the Lord. And his friend said, what, what, what do you mean two and a half people? He said, well, two, two young people and one old person. The, the two young people, they have their whole life to devote to the Lord. The older person has already wasted half of his. Those who are younger, do not forget God in the days of your youth. Before, it says here in verse 1, before the evil days come. Honor God before you grow old and and say, verse 1, that life no longer has pleasure. There's no more pleasure in in, in my days. Our our young bodies are just like having a a new car. You you, you drive it off the lot and you you press on the gas pedal and and, and you go, you move. But when you get old, you you step on the gas pedal and you just want to go back to bed. I mean, you can change the car's oil, you can drive under the speed limit, you can wash it regularly, you can, you can take it in for, for maintenance, regular maintenance, but the systems eventually begin to break down. Same. Same for us. Now, verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened 
and the clouds return after the rain. In other words, remember God before the light of the sun and the moon and the stars is dim to your old eyes. Uh, Before the rain seems to constantly darken your day. Being young is like living in the spring. Everything is alive. Everything is, is vibrant. But as you get older, it's like you're living in the winter. You're always cold. Things get dark. Things get dim. You, you know that the end is closer than the beginning. The month of March is closer to the beginning of the year than it is the month November. I think I'm somewhere around mid-August right now. Preaching to a lot of Marches and a lot of Aprils here today. But it's December who is writing this, this book to us. A, a man at the end of his life. Verse three, in the the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. Remember God before the keepers of the house. This is poetry that Solomon is using here. He's talking about your legs. Before your legs begin to tremble. Older people have shaky legs. They, they move to one-story homes. They no longer have to go up and down the stairs. It becomes risky. Remember God before verse 3. The strong men are bent. Your, your shoulders begin to stoop. You know, old people, they're, they're hunched over. There'll be a day certainly doubly true of those of y'all who are on your phones all the time or at your laptop all the time looking at the screen all day. Remember God, verse 3, before your grinders. That's your teeth. Before they stop cutting. I mean, teeth grow soft or they grow missing as you, as you get older. Kettle corn becomes off limits. Sunflower seeds is like eating spears. Soon you begin to gum the soft food like you did when you were a baby. And before you were, verse 3, your windows are, are dim. Your, your eyes begin to grow dim. Older people have worsening eyesight. Everything seems to be out of focus. I remember six years ago wondering why... The print in my Bible just got smaller and smaller. What, what, what's wrong with my Bible? What sorcery is here that the, the font is getting smaller all the time? Verse 4, and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and, and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. Remember God before the door of opportunities are closed for you and, and the sound of work begins to fade. Opportunities abound and productivity is, is, is high when you're young. But for the old, those opportunities begin to close. When you lose your job at an older age, you have to reinvent yourself by starting over. Young people are inventing themselves. Older people are reinventing themselves. But when you're older, it says here in verse 4, you rise at the chirping of the birds. And even though your hearing is not that good, but young people, they, they sleep well on an uncomfortable bed with, with lights on with, with sound all around them that would shake the walls but when you get older the sound of a snail crossing your front porch begins to startle you the, the, the morning light awakens you you're up early but you have nothing to do and nowhere to go and if it isn't a bird waking you it's your bladder when you get older verse, verse 5 they are afraid also of, of what is high and, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Verse 5 is reminding those of you who are younger today, remember God before you become fearful. Before you become fearful of falling and you worry about the dangers of life. Young men rarely consider their safety. 
young men do dumb, reckless, dangerous things. I have a 21-year-old son who's a senior in college up at DBU. He does dumb things. He, he jumped out of a perfectly good airplane two weekends ago. He, he'll get with his friends in Dallas and they'll get in their car and drive all the way to Fuegos in Waco and turn all the way back and eat it on the way home. I mean, I, I love a good Chihuahua and a 199 and a 911, but I, I wouldn't drive three hours to come to Fuegos just to get a taco and turn back around. He, he wears shorts and then he rolls them up. Like, no one wants to see that, son. No one wants to see your pasty white thigh at all. I haven't seen a Durham do such dumb things since I was 21 years old. When you get older, you begin to, to think more about life and you worry about the dangers of life. I love verse five. The energetic grasshopper isn't hopping anymore. It's just dragging around its rear end. And, and I'm gonna guess that that happened right after that grasshopper turned 50. Almond tree is in bloom. <coughs> Solomon speaking of his white hair. Uh, the almond bloom would, would, would be white just as his hair was turning white. When you're young, you have all this hair. As you grow old, your, your hair grows thin or it falls out or it turns white or all of the above. It's like a cruel joke. You, you lose your hair on top of your head, but your feet get hairier. You, you lose the hair on top of your head, but your back gets hairy. You, you lose the, the hair on top of your head, but it looks like you've snorted a cat in your, in your nostrils. The hair just is growing in different places. And before God, we see in verse 5, you need to remember God before you near the grave. Before the mourners begin to weep at your funerals. Young people don't think about their funerals. As you grow older, you begin to think about your funeral. You begin to take out a policy on your funeral. You begin to make decisions about your funeral. You, you write a will. You decide what songs you want sung at, at your funeral. What casket you want to be buried in. And you begin to decide who you don't want speaking at your funeral. When you're young, old age seems like an eternity away. But it just gets closer daily. Verse, verse 6 before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. He's talking about his, his body again. Remember your creator now before the silver cord of life, that's your spine, before it snaps and the golden bowl, that's your skull, is broken. Don't wait until the pitcher or your Bible might say the water jar, that's your heart, is shattered. Don't wait for the wheel or your Bible might say the pulley. That's the joints in your body before they break. It seems like Solomon was planning on a pretty violent departure. Verse 7. And the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. In time, our bodies just go back to the ground. Dirt. What God used to make our first father, Adam, will eventually become our lot again. And then our spirit, it says in verse 7, returns to God for our eternal fate. Verse 8, vanity. A vanity, says the preacher. That's Solomon speaking of himself. All is vanity. All is completely meaninglessness. Completely meaningless. I mean, if life is just a progression every day toward, toward death, then we need to steward then each hour so well. If life is just a progression toward our demise, our, our own funeral, then we need to make sure that we steward each day so well, each week so well, because everything matters. Or else every hour 
And every day and every week is just meaningless. In other words, I think this is what we're seeing all the way from verse one to verse eight. Death is coming soon, so live. Death is coming. I say this often, the mortality rate of humanity in America is running right at 100%. Like death is coming. It's coming sooner than we even think. So what do we need to do? We need to live. Christian, even though the place to which we are going is a better place where there is no pain or tears or, or darkness or sadness, we are still called to live this life right here, right now, fully. Every breath here, every day here, it's a gift from God. Here's how Jim Elliott put it. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. And isn't it interesting that Jim Elliott died as a 29-year-old at the hands of the Aka Indians while he was sharing the gospel in the jungles of Ecuador? And now Solomon begins to shut this chapter down, begins to shut this book down, and he saves the best for last. This entire book has explored the, the meaning of life. And now the Holy Spirit's going to give Solomon these last words to, to write down for us, to, to give us the bottom line on how to keep our lives aligned with the will of God. And before giving us his, his grand finale here, his, his magnus opus, Solomon reminds us who he is. He gives us a little bit of his resume. Verse 9, verse 10. Besides being wise, the preacher, speaking of himself, also taught the people's knowledge taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. Verse 10, the preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. I mean, he's saying right here, I am, I am wise and I've taught people everything that I know. I listened to many proverbs, I studied them, I classified them, I sought to write down just the right words to express these truths clearly. When you think about it, Solomon spent his entire life researching Life, researching and analyzing the meaning of life and so we can trust his wise counsel. You might want to write this down or, 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 or agree with this. All of us need wise counsel. All of us in this house today, all who are watching online today, we need wise counsel. I'm assuming one of the reasons that you're at church today is because you want to grow in wisdom. You want to live a life of wisdom. There's no one here beyond the need of counsel. Beyond the need of, of wisdom, beyond the need of spiritual growth, no one, no one is, is born with innate knowledge. No one is, is born with innate wisdom. To learn and to grow, we need to allow someone to speak into our lives. We need to allow someone to teach us, to, to counsel us. And so here to earn our trust and to open our ears, Solomon reminds us that he's the wisest. I mean, he's the richest. He's the most powerful man in the history of the world, second only to Jesus. So what a resource we have here in the book of Ecclesiastes, verse, verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings that are given by one shepherd, given by God himself. In other words, in the Old Testament, a, a good shepherd would create pain to compel a sheep to move in a new direction away from harm. Uh, in the Old Testament, a, a, a shepherd might use a, a, a prod to put the sheep back on a good path, to, to, to be helpful to them. In fact, in the same way, we see here that wise words are just like cattle prods. They're, they're painful but helpful to us. Wisdom from God is like a nail-studded stick, we see here in verse 11. 
Just as he is our shepherd who, who uses sometimes even painful things to drive us away from danger. Here's what I'm trying to say if you're going to write this down. Sometimes God uses a small pain to keep us from a greater pain. And I bet if we took time, a lot of us, especially who are not so young, could give testimony after testimony, report after report to those of you who are younger of, yes, there are many times in life that God used a small pain to prevent us from walking into a greater pain. I think practically speaking, Highland family, this is the wisdom and the kindness of God. The pain of a breakup. The pain of a job loss. The pain of a closed door. The pain of, of rejection, the pain of, of sickness, the pain of a loss, easily could be God shepherding us to a greater pasture. Sometimes the wisdom of God actually feels a little painful to us, but wisdom that's sent from God is always wisdom that's sent in love to keep us out of harm's way. Verse, verse 12, my son. Be aware of anything beyond these, of making many books, there is no end. And our college students will love this next one. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. At some point, we need to simply obey what we know is true. It is possible to over-research an issue. Overthinking and over-analyzing it just often doesn't bring a whole lot of progress in, in life. I, I, I love books. I love books on history. I love books on theology. I love books on the outdoors. I love any biography. But every day there's more books written. I think this is what verse 12 is saying. Every day there's more books published. I mean, for us, not to even mention podcasts and, and, and articles, the problem is we can spend the rest of our lives reading everything and doing nothing. Here's what you want to write down or consider with me. Knowledge is what we know. Wisdom is what we do. And one of the concerns I have for Christians in Waco, one of the concerns I have for a younger generation, one of the concerns I have for my own heart is that we have tons of knowledge and just ounces of wisdom. We know a lot of things, but how are we living our lives? Is that wisdom informing us every day on what we do with our time, what we do with this life? And the aim, Highland, is wisdom. The aim is wise lives. The aim is wise singlehood. The aim is a wise marriage. It's wisely raising functioning kids. The, the, the aim is to, to live life in Waco with wisdom. The aim is to be a wise follower of Christ. The aim is to be a wise student, a wise worker, wise young, the wise old. How then do we live such wise and godly lives? So here at the end of his life, Solomon, carried along again by the Holy Spirit, writes the bottom line, verse 13, verse 14. We'll wrap up this book. We'll wrap up this chapter. We'll wrap up this series. The end of the matter. All has been heard. <laughs> Fear God. And keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing. Whether that secret thing was good or evil. That's the whole story. Here's the bottom line after a roller coaster of a book emotionally. Verse 13. Fear God and keep his commandments. I think we could pretty much say in chapter 12 especially, you have remember God up at the beginning, then you have fear God, you have obey God. Life with God really is this basic. 
first of all, remember him. Those who are younger, when you're busy with school and friendships and play and, and work, when you're in good health, when life is fun, when your body doesn't hurt, don't forget God. One of the saddest verses to me is in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, when God says of his people, of me, you forgot. So in your pursuit to get a good job, in your pursuit to get married, in your pursuit to, to buy your first car, in your pursuit to make great grades, in your pursuit to raise functioning kids, in your pursuit to maintain your house and, and maintain your body and maintain your friendships and maintain your upward mobility, to maintain your appearance, your pursuit of, 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 of trying to maintain your reputation, don't forget God. Remember your creator. Remember your father. Remember your rock. Remember your victory. Remember your savior. Remember your redeemer. Remember your way maker. Remember your promise keeper. Remember your God. Secondly, fear God. Remember him and, and fear him. Everything begins and ends, rises and falls, succeeds or fails based upon your fear of God. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So in other words, great intellect and ample resources and relational prowess and wide open, wide open opportunities and possibilities and even achievement for all of us in this place today, is of no help to us if we do not fear God. And to fear God is just, is just that, to live with a constant, deep belief that God sees all, that he knows all, that one day all of us will give an account to him on how we lived our lives. You know, people's lives today are certainly driven by fear, fear of disease, fear of failure, fear of disappointing others, fear of loss, fear of death. So the question is not, are you going to fear? The question is, who are you going to fear? Who will you fear? Here's a definition of fearing the Lord. To fear the Lord is to consider God above everything and everyone else. Above your own success. Uh, above your own friendships, above your own relationships, above your own family, above your own self-preservation, above our own ambitions, above our own lives. To fear the Lord is to do what is right in the eyes of God, even if it means the outcome not, may not be to our best interest, but it is to the best interest of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus. Thirdly, lastly, obey God. I mean, this is how he wraps up this entire book. Remember God, fear God, obey God. So many American Christians are actually functional atheists. That they say on Sundays with their lips that they love God, but, but their hearts are so far from him. They say they know him, they say they, they love him, but functionally they live like God does not exist. What do they do? They worry. And they jump ahead of God. They take control of their own bodies. They sleep around. They go to websites like God has blinders on. They shepherd their own lives. They don't give any money to his kingdom causes. They refuse to forgive those who have hurt them. And why? Because they are functional atheists. We know we're truly saved. Not just Christian in name. Not just cultural Christians. Not just Christians because we live in America. Not functional atheists. We know we're truly saved when we obey God's commands. 
I mean, don't disobey him and call him the Lord. Don't ignore his commands and just come on Sundays and sing a few songs. Can I plead with you to remember him, to fear him, to obey him, and you will not remember him without Jesus. And you will not fear him without Jesus. And you will not obey him without Jesus. So what if we fixed our hearts and our minds and our eyes on Jesus today? Oh God, would you give us the grace to remember you and to fear your name and to obey you. As we sing this next song, perhaps some of you would want to just come and sing this song on your knees. Here at the altar, even maybe where you're seated, you know the lyrics. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Father, our eyes and hearts are fixed on you. Would you give us the grace, God? We don't want to forget you. In our busyness and our self-sufficiencies, we do not want to forget you. We want to remember our God today. God, we want to fear you, to consider you above everything else and anyone else in our lives. God, we want to obey you. We're tired of being functional atheists, saying we love you with our lips, but our lives are so far from you. God, give us the grace and the wisdom to remember your great name, to fear your great name, to obey your great name today.